Good morning. Welcome to the newest episode of season 31. I'm your host, C.S. Joseph. This is the C.S. Joseph podcast. And uh, today uh, we're going to be discussing cheating. And invariably, I'll be making an argument uh, for cheating when it is a good thing and when it is a bad thing and all of the ethics involved with cheating. And then I'm going to put a Jungian spin on it where I'll be talking about certain uh, types, certain uh, types and individuals who are really sensitive to cheating, uh, people that uh, don't allow them this, uh, don't allow themselves to cheat when they should be cheating, for example, uh, types who are the most likely to cheat, uh, the types that will be facilitating cheating, etc., and what to look out for. Uh, I think this will be a very useful episode for uh, everyone out there, and uh, also uh, it will also it will be just as controversial as the two episodes before it, like, um, you know, the Ten Commandments of Sexuality, which I got a lot of crap for that, but I don't care because I'm telling the truth, so get over it yourselves. That being said, uh, I think it's a little bit necessary to have these types of discussions because from a human nurture point of view, we need to see how it impacts our nature. And when we're talking about nature, we're talking about the Jungian 16 personality archetypes and how uh, this affects it and how these decisions are reached and how their perceptions uh, end up taking information, etc. And over time, it can really change uh, the narrative, at least in terms of someone's life when it comes to relationships thereof. And uh, don't worry, there's still one more insanely uh, controversial episode after this one. And then after today's and the next one, we're going to be discussing uh, some more practical application with the final four episodes, which will, which may be two episodes, I'm not sure, but they might get really, really long. So it just kind of depends, or I might just keep them short. But we're going to be discussing how to get a boyfriend, how to get a husband. Those are two different episodes. And then how to get a girlfriend, how to get a wife, etc. Those are going to be two different episodes. And that will essentially complete season 31 as we have it. And we're going to be moving on to some more uh, back to human nature uh, lectures because we've been doing human nurture for a long time now. But we're going to get back in the saddle for human nature. We're going to be discussing uh, Jungian analytical psychology. That being said, uh, I do would like to tell people that if you are a paid member and you have not watched uh, the Cutting Edge episode in the members portal uh, for October 2021, I highly encourage you to do so. Uh, the reason why is, is because I shed a bit of light on cognitive focus and how cognitive focus works and I actually show a difference uh, or a comparative uh, difference between two people of the same type, but they have different cognitive focus and how their behavior changes and how different it is. I don't want you to miss this episode. We talk a lot about cognitive focus and we also have some episodes dedicated to it, somewhat dedicated to it in season 18, which is also available on the members portal. If for some reason you missed it or you got your email on our system, uh, you know, too late because I mean, season 18, I think it has over a year's worth of episodes in it. And uh, it's the email lecture that's emailed to you once a month, but some of you joined the list late. I mean, there's a lot of older episodes. So go to the members portal. If you want to learn more about cognitive focus, check out the episodes in season 18 and make sure that you watch 
this month's uh, Cutting Edge podcast episode uh, where we're talking about cognitive focus, even uh, giving one example, one useful example on how to determine someone's cognitive focus, etc. Um, also, I think the season 18 episode uh, for this month, which was about the soul temple, is also insanely relevant. The soul temple are ISTJ, ENFP, ESTP, uh, and um, um, oh my gosh, what's the what's the other one? Um, ISTJ, ENFP, uh, ESTP, INFJ. That's correct. So that's the soul temple. And uh, based on the soul temple, uh, I do talk a little bit about in the Enneagram and about cognitive focus there. So you might want to watch that episode too. So to, to help you get more familiar with the concept of cognitive focus, please watch those episodes. They are available in the members area. You can get season 18 for free if you are signed up on our email list which is easy. All you have to do is just take the test and then you're automatically signed up. So give me a heads up on that. And I needed to give those little bit of announcements so I don't get, uh, you know, hung from a tree or attacked in my sleep because I'm being a responsible, responsible person. So yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. People are like, let's go. Let's do it. Well, you know, Got to take a swig of some kombucha, right? Yes, I am back. I know I've been gone. I injured myself, actually, um, and I've uh, been recuperating my injuries. I'm still injured, but at least I can walk now. So that's nice. Uh, walking is uh, very good. So still recovering, uh, but at least I can walk, and I'm happy to be playing uh, Commander tonight at Magic the Gathering. And uh, I got a really nice uh, deck set up uh, for that. I'm going to be playing Mono Blue Control with uh, Baral, Chief of Compliance, as my commander. And just so I could be a dick, and for no other reason. not not None whatsoever. Just, just to be a dick. Anyway, on to the episode. So uh, before we like really get into it, like we need to actually like define what cheating technically is. And I think a lot of people don't really understand the definition or how it works or what it even means. Uh, so that's just kind of, it's important to talk about. It's not like I could just go to like a dictionary.com and, you know, look up the word cheating because it has its own, you know, dictionary definition when in reality, cheating in terms of relationships within the context of relationships is nothing more than a colloquialism. So we have to go to the colloquial dictionary known as UrbanDictionary.com. So I will now define it uh, according to Urban Dictionary. Quote, someone who is in a committed relationship and breaks the trust of his or her partner by getting physically or emotionally involved with another person. Common forms of cheating include kissing, feeling each other up, vaginal, anal, oral sex, or any other contact that involves the lips, hands, and genitalia. Emotional cheating involves forming a close bond with someone of your preferred gender and basically forming a second relationship. This may or may not include physical cheating. Okay, fair enough. It uh, provides some examples. Uh, one, Shelly broke up with Rich after she found him making out and feeling up some other girl at a party. He claims he was drunk, but she didn't care. She does not tolerate cheating. Example two, Mark was always so busy and Amy wasn't getting the attention she wanted from him, so she started hanging out with Dave. Yeah, because she's a hypergamous hoe. 
He was giving her the attention she had wanted from Mark. She may not have realized it, but she was emotionally cheating. Okay. So that in def that is the colloquial or generally accepted within Western society definition of cheating. But uh, and and we are all aware that you know the last two episodes I spent a significant amount of effort talking about uh, the biblical approach uh, to relationships and defining what exactly is sexual sin versus what is not sexual sin. I find, I know that this is very frustrating for a lot of people in the audience. It's like, why do you even care to talk about biblical principles uh, when it comes to relationships? And I, I get it. I get it. It's a, it's a, I know that the Bible is not people's uh, belief system as much as I understand that the Quran is not someone's uh, belief system and certainly not Hadith or Joseph Smith, uh, might, might I add. Uh, but, but the reality of the situation is that all these religious texts still have some aspect of sexual rules or some type of sexual expectations within families, etc. And that's just, you know, kind of how it is. Uh, I'm just using the Bible as an example because I was raised in it. I was raised by a pastor. I'm a pastor's kid and uh, raised by a family who I do love, but at the same time, I was used to my family getting to a point uh, where they were so busy, I don't know, not using critical thinking in terms of their belief system. And I found that very limiting on my life, my own happiness as a person, and anything thereof. So it's the thing is this too, is that like, you know, based on those struggles within my own life, especially, you know, when I announced uh, to my family when I was 25 years old that I was no longer going to participate in monogamous relationships, but I was basically um, a poly person. Uh, they threw me out of my family. I was basically kicked out of my community and definitely removed from the church. But uh, the reason the reason why I did that is because I just decided to be, you know, honest with myself about my life at that point in time. And, uh, and I could make all of the arguments with it. It's just the thing is, is that the Bible and people's uh, acceptance of sola scriptura, which is the Bible's the infallible holy word of God, which I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. But, um, but because everyone else in my life did, I have had to, you know, struggle with my own sexuality, with my own masculinity within that church-like environment. And the thing is, is that I know that I'm not alone. And I know that uh, Christianity has basically dominated Western society more than any other belief system in terms of how cultural norms, social norms, uh, political norms, etc., are set up, basically. Uh Every, all of our socialized expectations, you know, in terms of relationships is actually dominated and influenced by the Bible. Whether or not you people in Western society agree with me or not, that's a fact. That is a fact. So, and the thing is, is that there are people like me who, I'm an ENTP, right? I'm a crusader, right? Crusaders have this problem where we have to give ourselves permission to do something. We have to give ourselves um um, we have to have justification, like some kind of ethical, social, 
F.E. justification before we allow ourselves to live on the fringe, basically. And living on the fringe for me was me deciding to be poly when I was 25 years old, for example. That's what living on the fringe was. But I had to have justification for it. So many people who watch me or listen to me, this is why I spend so much time on the Bible to basically reach out to people who have suffered in the same way I have. And whether or not you are aware of it or not, the Bible's influence directly affects your life. I don't care if you don't believe it or not, because the fact of the matter is other people believe it. Other people see it or treat it as the infallible Holy Word of God. And because they do that, their belief systems directly impact you on a daily basis. And that's just reality. You don't know if that girl that you're planning on banging is a hardcore Christian or, or was raised Christian. You don't know if that guy believes in traditional Christian marriage, for example. You just don't know. But these things are going to affect you. So my recommendation is stop complaining about me talking about the Bible on this channel or on this podcast, seriously. Because whether or not you could admit it or not, it directly affects you. So get over yourself, grow up, and realize the reality of this society we live in, okay? It's not all about you. There are other people who it directly affects. And if I am not directly addressing those people, and if I'm not providing them with biblical justification for their sexuality, then society is not going to change for the better. You have to understand this. This is just consequential. So... My request is, is that this audience continues to tolerate the Christianese or the Christian overtones or the biblical influence when it comes to things that I teach. Because whether or not you care or not is irrelevant to me. What is relevant is that other people's belief systems directly affect you. That's relevant. And I suggest you pay attention. So... Let's continue. So we've just defined what cheating actually means. Someone who's in a committed relationship and breaks the trust of his or her partner by getting physically or emotionally involved with another person. This is what cheating is. This is the colloquial definition of cheating, but it is not the biblical definition of cheating. Actually, there is no biblical definition of cheating. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as cheating in terms of the Bible for those uh, Christian folk watching that need justification, right? That's... Uh, that's just reality. That's normal. That's just how it is. Okay. Why? Well, because most people assume that cheating and adultery are the same thing. And the church and people at church actually teach it, 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 it that it is the same thing. But the thing is, is that it's not. It's really not. Because according to this definition here on UrbanDictionary.com, someone who is in a committed relationship and breaks the trust of his or her partner by getting physically or emotionally involved in the person... Here's one thing. The Bible doesn't give a damn about anyone getting emotionally involved with another person, first of all. So already, that doesn't matter. And from the biblical perspective, in terms of breakups and how the Bible handles breakups, for example, well, breakups are you could do whatever you want and you can never break up with a person unless, of course, they're having, unless, of course, um, that person is a woman who is having sex with another man without your permission, you being a man. And then there is no such requirement put on men whatsoever. This is, in effect, a double standard. Um, 
And yeah, but it is a double standard, but it's also not a double standard if you reject uh, gender equality like I do, because there's no such thing as gender equality. So it, it isn't a double standard because the genders are different. This is why men are not harshly judged for having sex with multiple women and women are very harshly judged for having sex with multiple men. OK, so that's because like their own sexual market value is reduced based on how many more men that they've had sex with. There's even studies recently saying about how uh, women retain the DNA of all of their previous sex partners. Um, there is some arguments for and there's some arguments against that. But it especially becomes accurate or true when you look at a woman who is pregnant, who has sexual relations and sexual contact with men who are not the original father of that baby because um, their, 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 their sperm and their semen actually, from an epigenetic process, actually adjusts or adds genetic traits to the baby. And uh, if you don't believe me, you should look that up. There's arguments made for that by Dr. Catherine Shanahan. There's arguments uh, made by that by Christopher Ryan, for example. There's tons of sources out there. Please look up epigenetics. It is a thing. An example of epigenetics in popular uh, culture uh, would be the, um, the show uh, C, which is S-E-E, -E, with Jason Momoa in it on Apple+. Plus. Uh, they talk about how the village needs new blood in order to keep the monsters away because their babies are being deformed due to multiple inbreeding and lack of biodiversity within their village. If you want to learn more about that concept, watch that show, but then also do additional research when considering Dr. Catherine Shanahan or Christopher Ryan and other sources out there. So, uh, <clears throat> no, uh, Serious Sam, uh, fornication there is actually a miss... Uh, uh, a, a mistranslation and and fornication is not something for men so you're actually incorrect about that if you're just joining me uh, on this episode I suggest you go backwards two episodes in season 31 where I actually break down scripturally how that is the case so if you disagree with me right now you're literally wasting your time watching this I suggest you stop watching this go watch the previous two episodes in this playlist for season 31 then come back to this and you'll see my actual position because arguing with me about here is a waste of time. So anyway, so, um, so in general, that's basically the biblical position. Um, and from the biblical position, uh, there is no such thing as cheating. There is no such thing as emotional cheating or anything like that. There's, there's none of that at all. It's, it's, it's bullshit. And if people, and I know the church teaches this and that's also bullshit. The only thing that is there is adultery, but women can only commit adultery. Men can commit adultery too, but only if a woman is first an adulteress. If a woman is not an adulteress, meaning she doesn't belong to another man, and a man is having um, extramarital sex with her or having uh, premarital sex with her, he's not in sin. And um, in the last two episodes, I define how that is the case. So please uh, check that source out. Um, Caitlin, I'm getting there. You're going to have to be patient with me. I got to continue dropping the uh, foundation uh, for this. So um, because most people assume cheating is adultery colloquially, you can make the argument that women cheat more often than men do, basically due to masculine idealism that men have. Masculine idealism is this thing where men basically are if the true romantics, not women. Women are not the true romantics. Men are due to masculine idealism. Masculine idealism is what men are born with, 
And uh, it's this innate uh, instinct to put tribe above self, basically. And then through rite of passage and learned behavior, they have to learn masculinity, which is putting self above tribe. It's the complete opposite for women. When they are first born, they are given female solipsism, which is female entitlement. Women are more entitled than men. It's because their default is to put self above tribe when they're born. And then to become feminine later in life, they need to be conditioned or have learned behavior so that they themselves can become tribe above self. That is what it is to be feminine and deferential, etc. Tribe above self, okay? So those are the two different ways of defining masculinity versus femininity. If anyone wants to like ask you like what the what the definition is of both of those, literally it's self above tribe versus tribe above self. That's it, okay? Notice how they're not equal, right? So the point is, is that due to innate female solipsism and then also their sexual strategy known as hypergamy, which is a woman's desire for a man with beta traits and then a man with alpha traits, ideally they'd like it to be in the same man, but that's just not how men are in society. Men used to be that way. They used to be that way because men were conditioned to make sure that they cover both the beta and the alpha sides simultaneously, but they're no longer conditioned that way in modern society. Due to that lack of conditioning, men are 80% of men fall on the beta traits side, which is providing parenting, provisioning, protection, etc. That's what beta males provide. Whereas alpha traits, which is 20% of men out there, uh, provide uh, fitness, really good genetics, uh, health, etc. Those types of things. Uh, they got the abs. Uh, they're very athletic, very capable in that regard, and um, super sexy men, etc. And the ideal man is able to combine both those traits uh, into one, and that's like less than 1% of men out there. And I like to use the term sigma male to basically define that. Um, but honestly, it's not that big of a deal. It's not really that important. Those labels are very subjective anyway, so like don't get hung up on them as most people do because they do. Um so uh, because of female solipsism or self above tribe, that innate entitlement throughout history, it's, you know, and even right from the book of Genesis, you can see how, you know, women cheat more than men do, even though men are polygynous, polygynous, meaning that men prefer quantity of women over quality of women, whereas women prefer a quality man over a quantity of men, etc. Even even with that, even with a man being polygynous naturally, etc., women men are still accused of cheating more often than women are. When the reality is, women cheat more often than men do, and it's because hypergamy causes a woman to optimize uh, her relationships at all times. The reason why is because every woman will have in the back of her head this question: Can I do better? Can I do better than this man? Can I get a better man than him? That question is always in their heads at multiple times in their life, especially when they're shifting between life phases, between break phase, party years, epiphany phase, uh, transition phase, security phase, uh, development phase, etc., post-development phase. And all those phases happen in her life based on her age, essentially. Epiphany phase is just before a woman expires, her fertility expires. Security phase is right as it's expiring, or has expired. Development phase is post-expiration, trying to go back and relive her party years if she can, etc. Those kinds of things. 
But the reality of the situation is, is that a woman is always instinctually, biologically supposed to be optimizing the kinds of relationships that she has. And that optimization is ultimately it leads to good survival, survival of the fittest. Women are the masters of natural selection within human society. And based on that pluralistic, dualistic sexual strategy, we as human beings survive, as I've talked about many times. It's, it's really just survival. <coughs> and due to the penchant for female solipsism, solipsism within women is ultimately their survival instinct. I'm not saying that feminine entitlement is a bad thing. I'm just saying that it needs to be managed. But it's also a very, very good thing because it ensures the survival of our race, which is very important. Why do you think the baby boomers are called the baby boomers? Think about that. That's because there was a baby boom post-World War II. That's why. Even though the baby boomers have basically destroyed society as we know it. Or whatever. So, anyway. Well, I get asked a lot of questions like, um, you know, is cheating sin? And the reality of the situation is it's not sin. What is sin is adultery. And a man can only commit adultery if he's having sex with an adulteress. If he's having sex with non-adulteress, then he's not committing adultery. And a woman um, who has sex with a man that is not, who is not her man uh, that she is committed to, and she does it without permission, then she is an adulteress. That's when it's sin, but it's not cheating. So cheating technically is not sin, except unless you violate Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 through 37, specifically verse 37, which talks about let your yes be yes and your no be no, which means it's not really, uh, so cheating in the Bible is really just breaking that. It's just being dishonest. You're just being a liar. It has nothing to do with adultery. It has everything to do with you lying. That's all it is. And this whole idea that cheating is adultery, it's just not accurate. But it is lying. It's still a sin in that regard, but it's not the same as adultery. So please understand the difference. Forgive me if I sound confusing, because I said earlier in this episode that cheating is not sin. I mean that cheating is not sin in terms of the context, in the context of adultery. That's that's what I'm saying. Cheating is sin in terms of breaking Matthew 5, verse 37, which is lying. You're lying, basically. That's all it is. You're lying. But the thing is that everybody lies. And the other thing is, is that a lot of people just don't understand the complexity or the, or really the simplicity of Matthew 5, verse 37, uh, when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to cheating. Because oftentimes, like, there, there is justification for cheating. There's absolutely is justification for cheating. And um, I think Rolla Tomasi in Rational Mail, Volume 3, Positive Masculinity, talks about uh, a certain INTP man who ends up lighting himself on fire in the U.S. Capitol committing suicide because his wife cheated on him, because his wife committed adultery, actually. You see what I'm saying? So that's a problem. That's a, that's a big problem. And it comes, from, it comes from a saying in the Rational Mail, Volume 1, uh, which says, you know, a woman's hypergamy doesn't give a damn about your relationship investment. And that's really painful, especially for someone like me, because I'm a crusader type. And crusader men, uh, which I'm actually going to uh, define uh, something. I'm going to 
pull up Ucha right now. I'm going to log into Ucha and actually read the tooltip for uh, the Quadras for you. Um, hopefully it actually opens. Yeah, it's opening. Great. And let's turn on the tooltips. And let's go to Houses and Crusaders. So the Crusader types, which are SFJs and NTPs, their life is the following. Life is about sacrifice and enduring hardship for the sake of fostering justice and fairness. Out of all of the 16 types, these four type of men, these crusaders, so crusaders, crusader men are very feminine. We're default feminine. We have to learn masculinity. Whereas Templar men, for example, they can be default masculine, or at least half of them are default masculine, just like half of Wayfarers are default masculine. NTJs are default masculine. STPs are default masculine men. These make up the 20% of alpha males out there, psychologically speaking. Whereas Crusaders by default, SFJ and NTP men, like myself, are automatically beta, etc. My INTJ son is making lots of noise all of a sudden in anticipation for eating. <laughs> he's really cute, at least. At least he's cute. So, um... But the point is, is that like when Tomasi starts talking about relationship investment, they call it relationship equity, right? And crusader types, SFJs and NTPs really believe in relationship equity. And one of the ways this is played out is especially when you consider the ESFJ, um, the ESFJ, um, what do you call it? Um, uh, it's the need for covert contracting or their or their strategy to covert contract. Not a need. It's more like a strategy to covert contract people. It's like, hey, I'm going to do all this nice stuff for you, which means I get to arbitrarily decide that you owe me later, essentially. Right? That's covert contracting. And uh, Crusaders and Wayfarers do it a lot, but Crusaders do it the most. They covert contract everyone. It's actually a very... Um, feminine uh, strategy, if you think about it. Hey, I'm going to serve you and do all these things, but then now I'm going to arbitrarily decide that you have to serve me, even though I did, told you that serving me was not in an exchange for me serving you to begin with. This is covert contracting. So this form of covert contracting uh, combined with uh, relationship equity, crusader men really care about relationship equity. They care the most. They, they think that their provisioning, their protection, and their parental investment counts for something. That it really, really counts for something in their relationship. And they've invested so much time, so much resources, uh, that they think that they're owed. They think that their women owe them really good sex. That their women should not be letting their bodies go. That they're owed uh, good frequency in sex, good quality sex, etc. Um, relationship equity. And Crusader men, by default, buy into the idea of relationship equity. And somewhat so do philosopher men, but not as bad as Crusader men. And the reason why is due to introverted sensing. Introverted sensing makes the man aware of everything that he's done for his woman, basically. And then as a result, he feels that he's owed a performance or top performance from his woman as a result of that. But the problem is, due to the female sexual strategy known as hypergamy, women don't care. Women don't care about your relationship investment. Women don't care about your equity as much as they would claim otherwise. And you could never believe a woman claiming that to begin with. 
For example, I got a nice quote from a, a very popular movie known as Princess Bride. And this comes from Wesley talking to his one true love, Buttercup. And he starts laughing at her, saying, quote, And what's that worth? The word of a woman. You're very funny, Highness. He's mocking her, using his ESFB superego, mocking her and stating like, hey, you know, I really don't care about what you have to say. Because men should not be judging women by what they say. They should be judging women by their actions and only their actions. The problem is, is that crusader men often buy into what their women tell them. And they also buy into this myth that their women will actually reward them as a result of their relationship equity or their relationship investment they put into the relationship. The reality of the situation is, is that hypergamy, the feminine female, the female sexual strategy doesn't care. It really doesn't care. And this is why I admonish uh, men in season 31 previously talking about how men have to be in a state of continuous improvement and how it's very important. Uh, if, the, if you're not in a state of continuous improvement, eventually your woman's just going to lose respect for you and then optimize her hypergamy and cheat on you or commit adultery, basically, and become an adulteress and go after a man who does, who does live his life by continuous improvement, which is the burden of male performance, continuous improvement. Because to her, that man is more masculine than you. A woman just wants masculinity. They don't care about your relationship equity. They don't care about your relationship investment. So to men out there, especially crusader men like myself, I encourage them to understand that before they allow themselves to get to a committed relationship. So instead of investing in their woman, they invest in themselves, which is a more masculine behavior. It's just insanely hard to get a crusader man to do this. Like INTPs, they're so afraid of not being accepted. Or ISFJs, they're so afraid of not being wanted. Or ENTPs, so afraid of being weak. Or ESFJs, so afraid of being stupid. Okay? Those four fears within these types make it very difficult for these men to realize that they, they should not have relationship equity and instead put it all on themselves and be a masculine man as a result. Thank you. Food. Mm. She makes really good breakfast tacos. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, let me ask you something, men. How many of your wives or girlfriends serve you food like that, hmm? Yeah, I didn't think so. So, are you women out there? You think you're a high-value woman, huh? <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, so the point is, no, I got one. Uh, so, so the point is, is that like crusader men struggle with this idea the most, and then when they're ultimately inevitably cheated on, because like I, I try to tell men, you know, like yes, it's it's important for you to not like just assume that your woman is going to cheat on you, but you have to be aware of the risk of her committing adultery, of her cheating on you, her not being honest with you at any time. You just have to be aware that that is a thing, and the risk goes up the the more that you are shirking your male burden of performance, the more that you are not on the path of continuous improvement, the more that risk goes up. 
So, and I'm not saying it's justified. I'm just saying that's what's going to happen. I'm just telling you, this is how women are going to behave. This is how they behave. This is hypergamy. They're going to optimize their sexual strategy. They're on the hunt for a better man because they always will have in the back of their minds that question, hey, can I do better than this guy? Now, luckily, women expire. Luckily, women age, and they can't compete with younger uh, women uh, for higher quality men. So typically, as they get older, their options, their sexual options actually go down, uh, which means it, it's not really much of a risk anymore. But when they're early age, especially from 20 to 26, the risk is extremely high. But the risk goes down steadily after that. So you can always count on you know, their, their age they're uh, them hitting the wall as a hedge against that risk when it comes to you having a committed relationship. So be advised. But uh, the thing is, is that, uh, okay, well, K61, one person's pretty is another person's garbage. So I don't know what you want me to say. Like, is not beauty in the eye of the beholder? I mean, if you have a, uh, if you have an attitude like that, I mean, I'm sure... I'm sure you're the most uh, amazing person out there and hopefully not made of plastic. So, so yeah, like that's the thing. Yeah, and, and because of that, you know, you just as a man have to get to the point mentally where you can count on, you know, your woman not really going to keep her promises. And they typically don't keep their promises due to hypergamy. And that's the thing, because it's always so funny to me how the actual double standard is out there where you agree to be in a committed relationship, you say till death un uh, do us part, etc. Even though women initiate divorce 80% of the time compared to men, men only initiate 20% of divorce, women initiate 80% of divorce out there, which is pretty bad. It's getting closer and closer to 90% at this point, especially since women get all of the benefit and none of the responsibility in the society as a result of divorce. But due to hypergamy and due to female solipsism, putting self above tribe and uh, that nature that they have, they just, they don't really keep their promises. And you as a man, especially a crusader man, you can count on her not to keep her promise to you. Even though the double standard exists, that even though they break their promises to you, they expect you to keep your promises anyway. And then they tell you that you're weak or they tell you that you're stupid, or they tell you you're not desirable, or they tell you that you're not accepted or not acceptable. You know, they prey upon the weaknesses of crusader inferior functions as a result. And due to the introverted sensing uh, nature of crusaders, due to the fact that their life is about sacrifice and enduring hardship for the sake of fostering justice and fairness, because crusaders naturally try to keep everything fair, etc., they end up allowing the women in their lives to take advantage of them because for some reason the crusader male believes in the concept of relationship equity because they're technically covert contracting their wives and girlfriends which is technically manipulative on the part of the crusader man it is a form of manipulation don't believe me read no more mr nice guy by dr robert glover who has been a guest on this podcast multiple times Okay, so so check that out. Okay, and if you haven't if you haven't watched uh, the episodes where I'm interviewing Dr. Robert Glover, what the hell are you doing? I also interviewed him on another podcast called Grimerica. I also recommend you check that 
as well, or Gramerica or whatever that podcast is. Okay. Dr. Robert Glover, check that out. Okay. We've been talking about these things for a very long time. But because, you know, Crusader men got to keep it fair, we got to keep it fair, guys. They allow themselves to be taken advantage of. And then they end up take their women, they end up taking their women at their word while believing in relationship equity and relationship investment. And then all of a sudden, their woman is an adulteress. All of a sudden, their woman has sexual relations with another man behind his back. Because instead of being on the path to continuous improvement, like he should have been, he was resting on his relationship laurels, resting on his laurels of, look at everything I've ever done for her. And look at all this relationship equity that I've built up, all this relationship investment. I'm due a return on investment. And because of this investment, I don't have to work as hard in a relationship and build my masculinity. I don't have to, I don't have to continuously improve. I get to shirk my burden of male performance. No, you don't. That's the thing. That's the thing. That inevitably is actually what causes women to cheat. That's what causes women to cheat more than anything. That's what causes women to cheat, actually. Because where men lead, women follow. Now, I'm not saying that women should be absolved of cheating or adultery. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying, because at the end of the day, it's still their decision. But if you want to make sure that there's no risk of it, you need to be on the path to improving your masculinity. You need to be on the path to continuous improvement on a consistent basis and have the self-discipline to do so. If you can't do that, well, then what the hell are you in a relationship to begin with anyway? And don't worry, the women who cheat, the women who become adulteresses, they'll get their due. Don't worry, they'll get their due. You got to judge women by their actions. They're certainly, you know, like, because women know, you know, they could take men at their word, but they know that they can't take fellow women at their word. Women know that. Why do men not know that? It's all about the feminine mystique, right? Man, you have to understand that you could take fellow men at their word. You can't take women at their word. And all of a sudden, you have all this relationship equity and whatnot. And you're resting on your laurels, thinking that your, rela your relationship equity actually means something when it really doesn't. You have to be in a state of continuous improvement, which means you should be spending your relationship investment and your equity on yourself and not her. Spend it on herself because that's the masculine thing to do. Okay. Like if I went to the store, went to REI, and I was going to buy a jacket, I'm going to buy that jacket for my woman or I'm going to buy it for myself. I'm going to buy it for myself. She'll end up respecting me more anyway. If I get a new iPhone, I'm buying the iPhone for myself and not buying for her. She's getting my old one. If I'm buying a new computer, she's getting my old one. You see what I'm saying? That's masculine. Don't put her on a pedestal. And this is what women are trying to teach men about. And this is what encourages them and pressures them in cheating. Not that they shouldn't cheat. Not that they shouldn't commit adultery. They will. And they will be held accountable for it. But you still have to take your responsibility as a man to make sure that you are a masculine man in your relationships at all times. And if you're not going to do that, you're failing as a man. Grow up. Realize relationship equity and relationship investment 
doesn't really matter in terms of a woman. And I know it matters to you. And I will say that to you as a man, yeah, your relationship investment and your relationship equity absolutely does matter. But it only matters to you. It does not matter to her. It will never matter to her as much as she would claim otherwise. It really doesn't matter. But because it matters to you, this gives you some opportunities. So, poor little man, I think he's hungry. So then it goes, it goes in a different direction. It's a healthy thing for a man to operate under the knowledge that it is a woman's proclivity to cheat or commit adultery due to her sexual strategy, hypergamy, especially if that man is relying on relationship equity and investment instead of the male burden of performance, instead of continuous improvement, which we've talked about uh, earlier in season 31. Um, Chivalry is worthless. Chivalry is an absolute worthless thing. You don't, if you don't believe me, read chapter six of the Rational Male, volume four. It explains how chivalry is complete BS. And then read chapter seven and go along with it because chivalry has been kosherized and things that are kosher are not exactly kosher. So uh, you might want to check that out. Um, so obviously, you know, men are naturally polygynous and that doesn't mean, you know, but that doesn't mean that men will cheat. You know, most women assume that because men are polygynous, they will cheat. But due to masculine idealism, they actually don't. And since crusader men care about justice and fairness more than all of the other 16 types, crusader men are the least likely of all of the types to cheat. They are the least likely to cheat. Crusader men. Absolutely. The men who are most likely to cheat are Templar men. Uh... Templar men, just in general, all, all four of them. They're the most likely to cheat, with second most likely being wayfarers and uh, third most likely to be uh, philosophers, with the least likely being crusaders. Crusader men just don't, they don't cheat. And the introverted crusaders, the most. The SI hero and the SI child loyalty, because it's optimistic, they will, they're the, they are the least likely of all the types, especially because they're conflict types. Close the door. Um, and that's, and that's also, you know, a problem. So keep that in mind. So, okay. So Kevin asks, is it okay for men to cheat in certain circumstances? Yes, it is. It is okay. Now let me break that down. Let me break that down to when it is okay for a man to cheat. Is it ever okay for a woman uh, to cheat? Um, no. No, it's not. Uh, adultery, no. Because they're having sex with somebody else. And it's with sexual contact, right? The line is actually sexual contact. It's not emotional, whatever. Unless, of course, you previously agreed to it, you know, based on Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. That agreement is let your yes be yes, your no be no, which means you talk about all of your relationship boundaries up front and what those boundaries actually are, right? So if you know what those boundaries are, Okay, that's fine. You could be held accountable to those boundaries. But most high-value men, they're going to exercise their sexual options anyway, and they're not going to agree to that commitment. They're not going to agree to it. And if a woman pushes for commitment, he's just going to move on. She's probably not worth committing to. I mean, if she's not a sexy virgin, for example, 
not really worth making the mother of your children. Statistically, a woman with two or more sex partners other than you is 70% more likely to divorce you and get half of everything you own anyway. So she's not really worth, statistically this is, she's not really worth committing to. And she's a low value woman. And if you're listening to this and you're a woman and you're like, oh crap, does that mean I'm low value? Well, there's still hope for you. And there's actually an episode in season 31 that talks about how there's still hope for the low value woman. This is taken out of the book of Hosea in the Bible in the Old Testament where explains that, where the biggest whore of the area was still redeemed by her husband, the prophet. Might want to check that out. But the point is, is that women shouldn't cheat. But the thing is, is that due to hypergamy, you could basically kind of assume they're going to cheat anyway, especially if you're shirking your masculinity, they're going to cheat anyway, because it's their nature. It is their nature. This is why female sexuality has been controlled by society and religious institutions since like forever. Because women have a proclivity for cheating. Men do not, even though men are polygynous. Because you could take a man for his, at his word, but you can't really take a woman at her word. So invariably, women break promises. And that right there is the linchpin as to what ethically allows a man to fairly and ethically and justifiably so cheat on his wife or his girlfriend, basically. Because this is where, for example, from the perspective of a crusader man, that a crusader's uh, relationship equity and relationship investment matters. It matters to him, but he's going out of his way to improve himself. The thing is, though, is that when you say your marriage vows or you say what you're agreeing to to your relationship, you're never a man is never saying, oh, yeah, uh, you know, we, we have this commitment to each other, but she gets to break that commitment if I stop uh, behaving, if I stop behaving masculine. No, it's never in the agreement. It's never there. But women will see that you're shirking your masculinity and they're going to cheat on you anyway, even though that was a promise that they made. Women break promises for the sake of their sexual strategy and they change the rules of their sexual strategy all the time. It's all about moving the goalpost, right? That's what they do. They move the goalpost. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a problem. No, I don't say men are polygamous. Pay attention to the actual words I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying, Mr. Reaper. I'm saying they're polygynous. It's different. Look it up. Okay. So here's, here's the bottom line. When is it okay for a man to cheat? Well, if she breaks her commitments, if she breaks her promises, even from a Matthew 5, 37 point of view, from a marriage vows point of view, which I just proved in previous lectures that marriage vows are technically sin. They're actually wrong. Don't do it. Marriage vows are wrong. Marriage vows are evil. They're technically evil. Why else did Jesus bash them in Matthew chapter 5 on the Sermon of the Mount? Because he did, starting at verse 31, okay? And which is leading up to his final point at verse 37, let your SBS and your OB know, everything by agreement, etc. The thing is, is that due to female hypergamy, you can almost always bet on the fact that they're going to break their promises. Obviously, you shouldn't take any actions until you verify that they did break their promise to you. And it could be because you were being less masculine, but she didn't agree to that. You didn't agree to that. You never agreed with your woman that, oh, if I'm less masculine, that means you get to cheat on me. You never agreed to that, obviously, but they're going to do it anyway. Okay, that's the issue. So the point is, is that if your woman breaks 
her promise to you in any way, shape, or form, breaks her promise and breaks any promises. Because if you had like, like for example, like within my marriage um, and in my relationship with my wife on day two, uh, for example, uh, I, I basically explained what I expect of her. And these expectations happened as a result of bad experiences that I had in my life previously. They're just expectations that I put on. And uh, I listed out what those expectations were. And that was an aspect of her promise, her relationship commitment to me, right? So, and those, and those promises are super important. They're promises to any man, for example. Like, um, like for example, I told her that I told that it is not okay for her to ever let her body go in a relationship with me at all. Like, at all. That, like, that's... I, I do expect that. That is a boundary. If you let your body go, you're done. You know, that, that's one example, right? Men don't really get that much out of marriage. In fact, they get nothing out of marriage. So because, and when a, and a woman gets married, frequency of sex goes down, quality of sex goes down too because she doesn't have to compete on the marketplace anymore because she's secure, et cetera. She just lets it all fly. Her body, she lets her body go. She ends up getting fatter, et cetera, way more unhealthy, becomes a physical health burden on the family and a financial burden on the family. Statistically, this is true of most women. I'd say at least 80% of women out there are this way using Pareto principle. We can make that assumption. So uh, based on that, you know, you got to watch yourself. So it's fine to like put up these boundaries right at the beginning of the relationship and actually outline what your expectations are. The thing is, is that if your woman during the context of your relationship breaks any of these promises or any of these boundaries that you set up, Okay, well, she broke a promise. And if you had a let your SBS uh, and your no be no agreement, or if you had a marriage file agreement, or if you had both, none of those matter anymore because she broke her promise. She made that action. She took that action, which means you as a man are justified to cheat on her right then and there because she broke her promise. Not because of relationship equity, not because of relationship investment, not because of that. It's because she's not keeping up her end of the bargain, which she's naturally inclined not to due to hypergamy, right? But then that risk goes down if you are being a masculine man, as you should be. Broken promises are the justification for cheating. So, for example, if you're breaking your promises, you can expect to be cheated on. Because a man's a real man, a high value man's gonna exercise his sexual options anyway. And why should he not be exercising his sexual options when you're incapable of keeping your promises to him? Promises are everything. You as a woman need to understand like keeping promises is a big deal. It's necessary for you to even have a family. And trust, especially with Crusader Man, trust is everything. Because Crusader men want to be seen as trustworthy. Okay. And if you treat them like they're not trustworthy, well, then they're going to have the motto, well, if I'm going to do the time, I may as well do the crime. Because a real man is not just going to end the relationship with his woman right there if she's breaking promises. He's not going to do that. A real man is going to have self-respect and keep his relationship investment and keep his relationship equity, knowing full well she doesn't care about it, but knowing full well he cares about it. And so what he's going to do is he's just going to get additional women. That's what's going to happen. That's what should happen. 
this whole idea like, oh, you broke your promise, so now I'm going to divorce you so you can take half of everything I own and then make me pay child support and alimony. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works, girls. No, no. Uh, what's fair is you broke your promises and you're not meeting my needs. You're not meeting my boundaries that I set out for you within the relationship. So as a result of that, I'm not going to chase a woman. I'm not going to chase you. I'm not going to try to extract you, uh, make you keep your promises to me. Instead, I'm just going to get an additional woman. Well, shouldn't you break up with her? Shouldn't you divorce her? No. The Bible condemns that, for example. You do not divorce your wife for any other reason other than her having sex with another man without your permission. That's the line. So you don't divorce her. You don't divorce her. Your masculine idealism is there so that you wouldn't divorce her anyway. So you don't divorce her. You just get an additional woman. And you make her make the choice to become an adulteress. Because if any man divorces his wife, he is making her an adulteress. Because a woman's agency, her only agency, is her sexuality. That's why she has a lot more sexual responsibilities than men. Men have way less sexual responsibility because to men, sexu their sexuality is no different than taking a piss. It's just an itch they got to scratch. Whereas to women, there's a lot more consequences on the table when it comes to their sexuality. They could get pregnant. They could be extremely vulnerable. Uh, giving birth is a life-threatening situation. There's a huge risk involved with it, which is why women have to be even more responsible with their sexuality than men do. That's just the reality of the world we live in. Don't talk to me about gender equality because you would, in effect, be full of shit. So the point is, the point is, is that, like, if she breaks her promises, that's not grounds enough to divorce her. It's not grounds at all. But it is grounds for you to take on another woman. And if she don't like it, that's fine. 80% of divorce is initiated by women anyway. She can divorce you. But the older that she is, the less likely she's going to divorce you anyway because it's not like she has better prospects. And you're all of a sudden being a masculine man by taking on another woman anyway. Because you care about your relationship investment. You care about your relationship equity. You care about the house that you worked hard for. You care about the fact that you want your children in your life every single day. You even care about still having sexual access to your, your wife. Even though you're banging another girl on the side. And guess what? It's all justified. Why? Because she broke her promises. It's completely justified. As long as you're not violating the Ten Commandments of Sexuality from the previous episode in Season 31, as long as you're not violating those rules and you're keeping your promises, it's fine. Well, Mr. C.S. Joseph, what if I promised exclusivity at the beginning? Well, sure. But she broke her promises, which means you don't owe her exclusivity anymore. This is why, you know, as Myron Gaines says, you don't chase women, you replace them. But I like to change that and say, don't chase a woman, just get a different one. Add. It's addition, not subtraction. Just add more, basically. And that's the thing. And if she wants to choose to be an adulteress by divorcing you, fine. Statistically, she's going to anyway, especially if she's had more than two sex partners other than you. And 80% of divorce is initiated by women anyway. This is the harsh reality of the world, guys. This is the truth. So be careful. You have to understand, like, these are the risks. These are the relationship risks. This is the reality of the world we live in. 
So especially, you know, you crusader men who work your asses off and build up so much relationship equity, sometimes to the point of shirking your own masculinity. Well, the thing is, is that no one cares about that effort except you. You're the only one who cares about that effort. You're the only one that cares about that investment. So the whole idea that she broke her promises uh, to me and now I need to divorce her because she broke her promises, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Now, if she if she had sex with another man without your permission, okay, yeah, sure, that's fine. That's fine. You'd be justified. But even then, the society is still stacked against you such that you're going to lose half of everything you own. You're still going to have to pay alimony. You're still going to have to pay child support. And you're basically financially screwed for the rest of your life. And there's nothing you or anyone else can do about it. Literally nothing. You may as well be homeless. A huge punishment on men for keeping their promises, for caring about their relationship equity and their relationship investment. If your woman breaks her promise in any way, shape, or form, don't chase her. Just go get an additional woman. Let her commit the sin of becoming an adulteress. Let her commit the sin of being an uh, adultery. Unless she already did commit adultery, then sure, definitely divorce her. Get rid of her. But if she didn't commit adultery, but still broke her promises, ah, no reason for you to keep your promises. None whatsoever. And you would be a man by having self-respect. A man who also cares about your relationship investment and relationship equity because she doesn't. Her hypergamy doesn't. So go ahead. Take on another woman. If she's a little bit older, she's not likely to leave you. If she's a little bit younger and she has a child, she may leave you and she might find some beta cuck that she'll never be happy with who will raise your child for you. Great. So that's the thing. The bottom line is, is where men lead, women follow. If... If you're wise, you can have you can have this situation where it's like, okay, well, she broke her promises, so I'm just going to take another woman. And then all of a sudden, she has to compete with this other woman. All of a sudden, frequency of sex goes up. She's letting she, her body's not being let go of anymore. All of a sudden, quality of sex is going up. Or she'll choose to be an adulteress. Either way, you win. Is my point. Either way, you win, and that's how to be masculine in the situation, especially if you're a crusader man. And I'm providing this example for all men, but it's crusader men who really struggle in this area because they're so ethical and so loyal that they have a hard time having self-respect when considering these truths. Huge problem. To the point where they end up keeping their promises to their women, even though their women break their promises to them over and over and over because Women tell crusader men how weak they are, and crusader men gotta be strong, right? Gotta be strong. Oh wait, so me being strong is is me bending over and you screwing me in the ass over and over, really? Is that really how life should be? No, that is not how life should be. That's not the reality of the situation. But like I said, men, in summary, if you don't want that to happen, she's more likely to keep her promises to you She's more likely to not commit adultery. She's more likely not to cheat on you if you are being masculine, if you're not shirking your male burden performance, if you're going out of your way for continuous improvement and becoming a better man every single day, it's not really, the risk is insanely low. And then combine that with the fact that your woman is aging, the risk gets even lower. So you're gonna win. But if for some reason she commits adultery on you, has sex with another man without your without your permission, well, 
get rid of her. You can divorce her. But if she breaks her promises, but does not commit adultery, what business is there for you to keep your promises to her? Go get another woman. It's okay, and it's justified. And she can get over herself. Doesn't matter. That's the real, that is the reality. That is the harsh reality of the world we live in. That's it. I know that you guys don't like it. Someone told me this morning in a little post, you know, hey, when you tell people the truth, if you don't make them laugh, they'll, they'll kill you. Hmm. How long will it be till that happens to me? Because I definitely am not making anyone laugh. Uh, metaphysical alicorn, um, you seem to be incapable of deductive reasoning and make decisions completely by inductive reasoning. So, like, if you want to have some answers to the questions, watch the first six episodes of the Season 17 playlist. I'm sure that'll help. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, guys, that's just the reality situation. You can't take a woman at her word. Statistically, a woman is always going to break her promise anyway. And we're going to be talking about, like, how this gets even worse in the next episode. And the next episode is going to be far more controversial and a far more painful for everybody, both genders. Um, and I think, I, think, uh, I think it'll be basically the crux of the message within season 31. And then we're going to get into the practicality, like how to get a girlfriend, how to get a wife, how to get a boyfriend, how to get a husband, etc. How to use masculine idealism to your advantage, how to use solipsism to your advantage, those types of things. Social engineering aspects, but in a positive way. We're going to be helping improve people's lives after we've dug this huge trench and poured this huge foundation on how sexuality actually psychologically works within humanity and why while also freeing humanity from the shackles of colloquial sexuality interpretation, which is bullshit. Um, so that's a problem. Um, hey, Bully McGuire, who said I care about believing in the Bible? I say, I already said that is not the infallible holy word of God. So what's your problem, dude? Are you like not paying attention? Maybe you should pay attention. Maybe you should actually watch every minute of every video, okay? So you actually know where I'm coming from instead of just cherry picking and looking like <laughs> the way you look, you know, on the internet. Come on. All right. Uh, so. Anyway, yes, the men's group is around. csjoseph.life forward slash growth. Go ahead and sign up. Um anyway um thank you all for watching um definitely more to come i got a lot of act like questions that i need to answer we're gonna get that posted uh and uh definitely more episodes about five more episodes left of season 31 and then we're gonna be going into uh other aspects of Jungian analytical psychology bringing it back to cognitive functions and type etc and moving forward so anyway thanks for watching and i'll see you guys tonight